You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. Uh, we have a lot to report on because we just got back from our amazing Strongtown Summit in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, I am thrilled with how it went and also very relieved that it's over, to be honest. <laughs> um, Chuck, what are your initial thoughts? How do you feel about this? We, we had a little debrief afterwards, but... Uh, tell me what you think and uh, share that with this podcast audience. Well, I, I got home and my family, um, my daughters, I informed them about the uh, the donut shop across the street from where we were. Oh. And they're really mad at me for not standing in that line and bringing home donuts for them. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm now branded a loser at my house because wow. I failed to, uh, I failed to come through with anything. <laughs> Actually, we were so busy. Uh, from the moment I stepped off the plane until, you know, we kind of like, I got in my seat on the way home and just immediately fell asleep. Uh, I, n- I never called home the whole time I was gone. And my wife kind of scolded me when I got home too, like, well, that must have gone well. I'm like, yeah, it did. You were extremely busy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, that from was awesome. Morning to midnight. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was awesome. That was a ton of fun. And I mean, everything from the, the curbside chat, which was really well attended, not only by uh, people going to the summit, but also by just people from the Tulsa area uh, to, you know, the hangout afterwards. And then the, the, the whole summit event itself could not have come off better. I, I you know, I go to conferences all the time. I, I speak at tons of them and I'm always invited to, well, stick around and listen to the sessions. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm yeah, like, give me <laughs> the heck home. <laughs> right. Like what have I not heard uh, already? Uh, every single session, every single bit that I listened to, and, and we had a lot going on. So we split up the work of kind of staffing each one to, to be there in case something happened. Uh, the ones that I was in were just remarkable and I learned a lot. I got a lot out of them and, uh, just the, the ability to get everybody in, in one place and have them all talk to each other and chat. It was, it was, it was, it way exceeded my expectations and uh, I had pretty lofty expectations going in. That's good. Yeah, it it really went smoothly from an organizational perspective. And I had many things that I had thought through in my mind. Well, if this goes wrong, uh, we'll be in trouble. And thanks to Kia's organizational efforts and mine and Michelle's and Max's and Chuck's um, and all the people that were helping out at our venues, it really did go very smoothly. Um, and I agree that all the sessions that I sat in on were amazing. I have to just gush for a minute about the traffic calming demonstration that Marielle Brown hosted, which I got to tag along for. Um, it was a ton of work on my end to make that happen because I had to go through all this permitting <sighs> and insurance process. And the whole time I was like, all right, this better be worth it. <laughs> Last minute insurance uh, panics. and uh, uh, yeah. Which you solved, thankfully. Yeah, but uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of work. So I'm, I'm really impressed. And I heard nothing but positive reviews. The only, the only negative thing I heard was from Marielle herself, who said she wished there had been more traffic to calm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was definitely um, everyone's impression when they showed up in downtown Tulsa was that they have these huge, uh, men- most of them one-way 
like four lane streets running through the downtown and it's just empty. I mean, we were there during morning rush hour, during evening rush hour. And I mean, these streets are way overbuilt. So yeah, that did deter our traffic calming efforts a little bit, but um, I think it went really well. And um, my only disappointment about it is that only 20 people could come to it yeah. because you know we didn't want it to be uh, an overwhelming thing and that was that was a good aspect of it because we got to have a really good intimate discussion afterwards but yeah that was amazing um i agree that the curbside chat was a great way to kick off the event too we did that on thursday night um at an auditorium at uh, oklahoma state university nearby in tulsa and i think you're right that we had a lot of attendees who weren't um who probably didn't weren't coming to the conference so that was a good good way to get the message out and, and get people in the mindset of strong towns if they were well, showing up for the summit. I, I was also kind of surprised. Um, and it, 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 there were a lot of, you know, core strong towns people there. The, the, the most of the, most of the summit was people were, were people that, you know, were members or people who we were very familiar with, but there was a large contingent of Oklahomans, people who, mm-hmm. you know, had, had maybe heard me speak somewhere or were aware of us or, you know, just heard that this was going on and decided to come. And I think that the Thursday night uh, curbside chat was a really good way to give them kind of like a one-on-one, like an introduction. Okay, here's what we're about. Because, you know, I'm, we're not going to do that uh, and kind of belabor some of those uh, base points to, to everybody else uh, on the day of the, the summit. And we didn't. Um, so I, I think it was – I. I was thinking it would be lightly attended and I, I don't know, I guess I wasn't expecting a lot and wow, everybody was enthusiastic and we had great questions. And afterwards when I was talking to people, there were a, a lot of people from the Oklahoma city area and then South uh, Eastern Oklahoma who had traveled uh, to Tulsa to be part of this. And they said that that was, you know, it, it just set the right tone for them. So yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. And it was on a, on a personal note. And I think for all the staff, it was a really great opportunity to get to meet so many members in person that we never uh, get to meet in person because so much of our work is online, email, Slack, uh, occasionally phone. But that was such a cool thing for me to, to meet people who I've been communicating with for some of them for years and have never met in person. Yeah. Um, and, and it was also great to meet a ton of new people. Um, I, I really liked that and kind of feel sad that I was so busy organizing things and didn't have a chance to do a little bit more uh, conversing and meeting people. But. Well, as things went along, um, people kept asking me, where's the next one? Like, what are we going to do next? Where's the next <laughs> summit going to yeah. be? And, uh, you know, I had never even th- – th- this was different than what I had originally envisioned. I mean, when we put together our strategic plan, the yeah. – the one, the eleventh thing that we said we were going to do, we we came, we said we're going to limit ourselves to these eleven things, and the one that was on the bubble that made it in, uh, because basically because I lobbied and insisted on it, I said we really need to do this summit, and I actually thought about, you know, a, a handful of people, maybe like a dozen or to fifteen, sitting around in a room and talking about a specific issue, and as we started planning this and putting it together, it kind of grew and grew and grew. To the point where I was like, I don't know if, you know, I'm not sure. And then, Mm -hmm. wow, as we went and the reaction was so good and I felt like there was a great exchange of ideas and, you know, just a a lot of really worthy stuff. um, I started to think maybe we should do this again. (laughs) Maybe maybe we should ponder uh, a, a next step for this kind of thing. So 
I don't think it's the last summit we'll ever have. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing that we will do one every 12 months, but I think we'll, uh, we're certainly, um, are open to doing another one because that, that went really, really well. And I think was a good use of our time. Yeah. And we're definitely doing a lot of self assessment and we did a survey, um, with the, our attendees um, on Saturday morning when the summit concluded. So we'll take everyone's feedback into consideration as we consider um, potential uh, future events too. So today I wrote about fate. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. Um, I was really sad I couldn't attend that presentation. Um, this, this happened during a morning workshop session where we had about five different things going on at the same time. Um, so Chuck was in a room where um, the folks from Fate, Texas were speaking about, um, well, you can talk about it. You were there, but it was Michael Kovacs, um, Will Rogley, and Justin Weiss. Um, they all work for the Fate City government. And they were talking about um, their presentation was called Scoring, How to Do the Math on Proposed Development in Your City. I, I was really impressed with them when they got up and started talking because I know the area that they're working in. It's a, I would call it a exurb or third ring suburb outside of Dallas. And it has enormous growth pressure. I think they, I'm, I think they said they went from like 900 to 6,000 people in, in a decade, some, some insane jump like that. I probably have those numbers wrong, but that's the scale we're talking. Very, very, very rural to all of a sudden you're the next place. And I, I know places like that. I've worked with places like that. And what happens is you get this growth mindset and it overwhelms everything. It, it kind of makes you uh, just ridiculous. Um, you start doing crazy things. And I, I've seen city after city after city get kind of like growth drunk, you know. And here's a very like sober guys standing up there saying like, we, we read the book. We read the Ponzi scheme. We're in the middle of that. We can see it. We're very, you know, smart people. We can figure this out. Mm -hmm. um, but we didn't know what to do about it. And, you know, th there's a lot of smart people who realize this, who are just powerless because of the, you know, the cultural dynamics of the community. Um, the, the mindset here is it's our turn, right? Um, you know, you look around and like every city up the, up the road has gotten their turn. And now all of a sudden, oh, it's, it's our turn to be in the sun. It's our turn to have growth. It's our turn to get the, the, the interchange investment and all that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, I was impressed with them because from where they were, they actually saw through this, this, uh, you know, challenge and said, we're going to embrace this. Then Will got up and, um, you know, he, he, he started his, I put this quote in the, uh, in the, the thing I wrote for today, you know, he said, the thing that has most shocked me is that nobody's ever done this. Like, it's so easy and it's so obvious. Like why? Why has this been so elusive? And that's always been my, from day one. I was like, why don't we do this? This is not hard. Yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you why we don't do it because it, it, it the math is easy and the, you know, the actual technical part is easy. The hard part is getting your city council on board, getting your other, you know, staff members on board. And then the hardest part is getting the public on board and explaining this to them so that when the developer comes in and wants to do the really bad project, uh, you know, the, and you say no, and here's why the public doesn't turn around and say, well, you're anti-growth. You're, you know, taking the city back to the stone age. Mm -hmm. So these guys actually took this, uh, this piece that I wrote two years ago, March 29th, uh, 2015, uh, about the, 
ratio between private investment and public investment. And they took it and they essentially made it into a regulation. And they had some examples. They had an infill project. They had like a 33, I want to say 33 to one private to public investment. And that was a great, uh, a great project. They approved that their minimum threshold was 20 to one, uh, which is kind of what I recommended as the, the, the bottom. Uh, they had another one that came in that was nine to one and they didn't approve that. And they told them like, you know, this doesn't generate enough tax base to take care of this. And so we can't approve it. And, and they were backed up by their city. Uh, there's another one that was 18 to one and they had gone through a whole bunch of different, uh, things to get it to that point, And they were looking for the developer to make some more changes to it, uh, to get it above that 20 to one threshold. And I, I just, as a, as a mechanism to be able to explain it to people and as a way to uh, have this broader community dialogue and then to engage developers and say like, look, we're, we're not going to be all prescriptive, um, but you do got to meet this threshold and here's why. I thought their approach was just brilliant. Um, I talk in the curbside chat about the right people, the right place at the right time. That's mm -hmm. what this group felt like to me. And I was talking to Kevin Shepard afterwards and, and he said, um, he said something about, you know, how did these three people end up in, you know, the, uh, and I'm not disparaging fate in, in any way, but how they end up in the middle of nowhere out, out in mm -hmm. this like very nondescript kind of place. And I said, it's a, it's a little like, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm looking at John, Paul and George up there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like you just, this, you, you didn't expect it to come from there, but there it is. And now I think our task is to uh, get their work in front of more and more people so that we can see, yeah, how would this work in other places? How could we apply it there? Um, what can we learn when that is done? So I, I was just really enthused about their presentation and, and all they brought to the table. Yeah, so that presentation and several of the other things that happened during the summit were video recorded uh, in pretty high quality thanks to the video system that was built in at one of our venues. Um, and we plan to kind of edit that down and uh, make it a little bit more like, you know, some of these videos are like four hours long because we just ran a continuous live stream. So we're going to we're going to edit those down eventually so that they're easier to digest. But for now, um, you can view a lot of what happened at the summit. Can can we can I interject just something about the Williams company? Yeah. Um, you know, they donated that space to us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which was incredible on the face of it. Um, but we got there in the morning and I'm setting up our video recording gear and, um, you know, I, I was which planning to of Chuck's phone on a yeah. it's <laughs> very low tech. Things. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it is uh commensurate with, you know, our budget, <laughs> which meant it was not going to be anything really fancy and everyone was going to complain about the sound quality and the audio quality and stuff, but it, you know, it was better than nothing. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we have a very small budget. We did not have the ability to buy a bunch of gear. So, you know, I'm there thinking, let's get this set up. And, and their, their technician, their basically like IT tech guy comes up, starts talking to us, you know, let me, let me see if I can help you. Um, he volunteered their entire system, which had like, they do state of the art, uh, video co Skype conferences out of there. And he allowed us to go in, install our little software program on his computer, uh, log in under our name and password and everything and set our thing up and run it. He was so generous with his time. He was so generous. He taught us how to work the whole thing. He let us run it. 
Um, yeah, the, Max was back in like the booth doing the little yeah. uh, camera one, camera two. Yeah. So this was, um, you know, I, I guess to me, the idea of getting a donated space is like, here you go, you know, put the chairs back where you found them. Yeah. Uh, that's not what this was. This was, uh, you know, here's a really high quality, you know, smart guy who's going to come and check up on you and make sure things are going well and help you with microphones and put new batteries in when things go bad and help you carry chairs around. I, I was just really, really, really grateful uh, David is the guy's name. He left before I could thank him for like the 20th time, but I was going to say thanks at the end. So I wrote him a little note and left it there. I hope his bosses see that because here's someone who just went like above and beyond just to be kind. You know, it was really, mm -hmm. it was really very nice. And, and, you know, he hung around and listened and <laughs> told me during the sessions, he's like, this is really important stuff. I'm glad you guys are here. So it was awesome. cool. Yeah. I just wanted to say thanks. Cause it was, um, you know, you, you don't find those kind of people everywhere you go. Um, we did find a lot of helpful people in Tulsa. It is a very friendly place. Um, yeah, but, a lot yeah. of people contributed to making this event happen. Yeah, I no mean, doubt. Voluntarily. Um, so those videos are on our YouTube page, and I'll include a link uh, in the show notes. But, yeah, we'll, like I said, we'll edit them down to make them a little bit more palatable. And we're also going to get... Um, I really hope we'll get the fate folks and um, probably other people who led workshops at this event to do um, follow-up webcasts um, on our site, which will be, you know, anybody can participate in those if you're a member. So we'll we'll get those scheduled soon and be emailing out more information about those. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to continuing all the energy that happened at this event, um, continuing to publish content from these people. Um, I've already got a bunch of things lined up that, um, were requested or that seemed like a good fit that we'll be publishing on our site and probably podcast interviews with some of these folks that kind of came across our, uh, that came to us through this event. So no doubt action is nonstop with Chuck Marone. So let's see <laughs> in a couple days, you're heading to Austin, Texas, uh, to speak at the ninth annual Institute for leadership and capital projects forum. That's a mouthful. Um, yeah. You've been I to am. Austin several times. And we're also hosting a, um, a, a meetup there that's open to anybody who's in the Austin area. You don't have to be attending this event. Um, so that should be another fun aspect. Yeah. We have, we have probably mo uh, the highest concentration of Strong Towns members in the country in, in Austin, Texas. Um, this is, I think I've been there probably eight times now. And, um, you know, we always have really good conversations. This was kind of a last minute thing, actually. Um, <laughs> I could tell a story. A lot I, of back I, end planning went into yeah, this. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't <laughs> want to. Yes, we had, um, basically, sometimes when we do these things, it, it works out really well. And sometimes it doesn't. Um, this was one where I think, you know, Michelle works with, let me put it this way. A big part of. Uh, our budget. I mean, half of our budget is, uh, is, is memberships and people, you know, supporting us through membership. Um, about 40, 45% of our budget comes from, uh, getting paid to speak at conferences. And, you know, we work with people and we make things happen because we want to get our message in front of people, but we also, uh, you know, need this as a revenue source too. And so if you're having a, a conference with a, a whole bunch of people and you're advertising strong towns as being like the thing that's going to draw people to your conference, um, you know, and charging a considerable fee for people to charging attend. lots of money. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, you know, we, we need to get paid to do that because that's how we 
you know, continue to do this. Yeah, that's how we pay the bills. And so there was a little uh, confusion and I think it was on and then it was off. And then we were advertised on the uh, on the website as being the keynote uh, while it was off. So I know it's all got worked out, but kind of at the last minute and everybody, I think, is happy. I'm happy. I think they're happy. Um, But the cool thing is we were able to throw together on Wednesday night, uh, the day before, uh, yeah, an offsite uh, get together. And if you're on our email list and you're anywhere near Austin, you should have gotten multiple emails at this point, kind of alerting you to this and, and inviting you to be part of it. If you're not on our email list, uh, you can go to Facebook or the, the North Austin, uh, the Austin uh, Strong Towns page and find out information. You can uh, go to our Facebook group and get signed up or just go to our site and sign up for email so you don't uh, get left out in the cold on these things. Yeah, lots of options. Yeah. So I want to welcome and thank our new and renewing members from last week. Eric Bootsma of Richmond, Virginia. Gina Burke of Akron, Ohio. Victoria Clark of Dayton, Minnesota. Kelly Tompkins of Enid, Oklahoma. And Jay Urban of Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanks to all of you for your support. Yes, thank you. And like I said, we're... Uh, our membership is is half of our budget, and uh, it's a really important half. And we actually, I got a question about this uh, in a way at the at the summit, and um, I just pointed it? out, yeah, I, I pointed out to people, you know, we don't run around. Um, we we have some relationships with foundations, but we don't run around looking, you know, how can we change what we do to meet the program that you have. Uh, that I know a lot of nonprofits kind of get caught in that trap. And we very intentionally said, we're going to be member driven and member focused and avoid that, uh, that kind of mission creep that comes with, um, you know, chasing, uh, large donors and and foundation money. Um, so membership is so important to what we do. And I just thank everybody who has stepped forward and said, uh, we think this is important too, and, and we want to be part of it. So thank you. Well, that's all I had today. Really, the summit just uh, took up so much of our time and our brain space. And now, if you know, if there's something that you guys listening have contacted us about or were wondering, is this going to happen? Um, it's probably going to happen now that the summit is done, so we have a little bit more time on our hands yeah. to work on these long-term projects and ideas and maybe respond to emails that we've neglected for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my, my inbox was down to, uh, to just a dozen, like when I went on vacation and now let me, let me check Monday morning, 174. Yeah. So we'll get there. Um, I did, you know, you always ask me about books oh, and, yeah. um, even though like John and I, uh, talked there's John Reuter, one of our board members, we chatted, uh, and I got like four hours sleep on, on Thursday night. And then on Friday night we worked on stuff and actually I got like three and a half hours sleep. I didn't get a lot of reading time, but I did manage to get through a, an audio book and, uh, finish up another book that I was reading. So, um, a pat, there's a, there's a, a book, uh, that Dan Carlin recommended called the Apache Wars. And it was just about like the, the, this long struggle that uh, the U.S. military had with Apaches in southwestern uh, part of the U.S. You get this sense of like ongoing tragedy, you know, people making promises and then being sincere about them, but then having it fall through and, and you know, back and forth. It, it was it, it, it kind of encapsulated everything I've read about the Native American experience in one really heartfelt book. So I thought it was really good. 
Mm-hmm. I also am diving into a book called Moral Tribes on my Kindle. And I'm not, it's, it's a, it's a little bit Jonathan Haidt, you know, the righteous mind, yeah, which I really like enjoyed. It yeah, it is. It's a little more focused on that. And I'm, I'm not sure as I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with it a little bit. I'm giving it a little bit more time. I'm about 40% through and it really hasn't hooked me yet. And I, I think I'll give it the halfway mark. And if I'm not liking it, uh, I might, I might dive out of it, but we'll see. I thought Jonathan Haidt's book was so good. And so I guess what I was looking for a little bit more was, uh, like diving deeper into that. And it's done a little bit of it, but I haven't found it nearly as compelling. And that might just be my frame of mind. Um, But uh, like I said, I'll give it a little bit more. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. And oh, we will have uh, another podcast for you on Thursday, which is a live. Well, it was live recorded uh, at the summit, an interview with two former mayors, uh, Joey Durrell of Lafayette, Louisiana, and Mike McGinn of Seattle, Washington. So Chuck did that interview. I think it was a popular aspect of the summit and we recorded it. And we'll have it edited and ready for you uh, on Thursday. Thanks, Rachel. Okay, thanks, everyone. Take care. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org. 